0: Father in heaven, we're so grateful and privileged to open up your word today. We don't take for granted that we have that freedom, or we shouldn't anyway. And so now, Father, through the power of your presence and of your Holy Spirit, speak to us and challenge us to your word, for we ask in the name of Jesus, amen. So it was my first weekend of my first year at Southern Adventist University, and the truth is I was ready to fall in love. And so armed only with my older brother at my side, we made our way to the student center like two gorillas on a hunt. And so of course, after just a few minutes of being there in the student center, I look off in the corner, and I see a young lady that I wanted to talk to anyway. So I made my way over to her and began stumbling and fumbling my way through and thus began my rather awkward steps at trying to begin a dating relationship with someone. You know, I think if I were to ask the question about dating, a lot of us would think about maybe a picnic, right? Because I think for a lot of people, a picnic represents this kind of romantic ideal of a gentlewoman, of a gentleman, and a lady going on a nice date, sharing some nice food. Maybe you're there alone one-on-one on some nice grassy hill somewhere, or maybe you're there with a group of friends sharing a nice picnic together. And maybe somebody's playing a little guitar in the background on a Sabbath afternoon, and maybe somebody's kicking a soccer ball around, and you're all having a nice time together. But you see, the truth is that things have changed, haven't they? Already in 1965, this brand new TV show hit the airwaves and began burning up the ratings. It was called, interestingly enough, The Dating Game. Some of you may remember watching that on TV. The premise was really quite simple. I mean, they would have three guys on one side of the stage, they would have a lady on the other side, and she couldn't see them, of course. And the only thing that she had to base her decision on, on who she wanted to date, was their responses and their replies. And so during the commercial breaks, they would trot out the men that she had not chosen. And finally, there was the big reveal at the end, because that's what everybody really wanted to watch, right? They wanted to see her reaction. I mean, was she going to be excited and smile broadly as this hopefully handsome guy was trotted out? Or was she going to be slightly um, a little disappointed as he was not quite so handsome? Oh, but that was just about almost exactly 50 years ago. But today things are quite different, aren't they? They're very different. I mean, the idea of walking across the room to talk to someone... I don't know, that just seems like a lot of trouble. Blind date, that's scary. Make it easy for me and give me an app and the world has responded. May I introduce you to the hottest dating app out there. It's called Tinder. Have you heard about it? Now, by the way, I'm not recommending that you download it, okay? I'm not recommending you download it. I'm not recommending you use it. But I just want to tell you a little bit more about it for just a moment, may I? The, the app is really quite simple. The premise, it's location-based, you see. So you open up the app, and you have a picture, and you have a little bit of a little profile there. And when you open it up, you can see the face of someone, and then you have to make a decision based upon a very little information, but mainly based upon this, what they look like. If they look good-looking to you, you swipe to the Right. If they don't look quite so good looking to you, you swipe to the left and they will not come on your radar screen again. Now, what will hopefully happen, the people who use this app, what they're hoping will happen is that somewhere there on the other side, that same person that they swiped right on, that they're liking, that they will also see your face and say, oh, that's a good looking person there. I'm going to also swipe right. That's how you get a match. And if you happen to get a match, then yay, all of a sudden you can begin contacting them and messaging them and take it from there. Wow. Now, let me ask you this question, because oftentimes we think that, well, you know, this is just a really convenient way to date. But I want to share with you a little testimonial of a young adult non-Christian young adult who has been in this world and just listen as she is commiserating on the modern state of dating. She wrote an interesting article called This Is How We Date Now and listen to her own words. She says we don't commit now. We don't see the point. They've always said there's so many fish in the sea but never before has that sea of fish been right at our fingertips on OK Cupid, Tinder, Grinder, Datch. Take your pick. We can order up a human being in the same way we can order up a pad tie on seamless. We think intimacy lies in a perfectly executed string of emoji. We think effort is a good morning text. We say romance is dead because maybe it is, but maybe we just need to reinvent it. Maybe romance in our modern age is putting the phone down long enough to look in each other's eyes at dinner. Maybe romance is deleting Tinder off your phone after an incredible first date with someone. Maybe romance is still there. We just don't know what it looks like now. So here's the question. What is the deal with dating anyhow? I mean, how is this thing actually supposed to work? This morning, I simply want to give you, here's my goal for this morning. I'm going to try to give you a biblical perspective, a few biblical principles on how we can approach this topic of dating. And by the way, I have to confess that just on this topic, I mean, we could create a whole 10-part series, but we don't have that time. We're going to have one swing at bat, and so today is it. By the way, if you're just joining us, we are really excited to have you here. Today we're in part four of our summer series called, simply enough, Road Trip, God's Picture of Family, where every single week we've been exploring different themes related to family and relationships. Today we're in part four. Also, want to welcome in a special way all those that are watching live right now. We're so glad that Pioneer could be a part of your story. I want to encourage you to pull out your Bibles. We're going to get started right now. So turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 3, and we're going to investigate our very first biblical principle on dating. And here it is. Number 1. The person you're dating should draw you closer to God. That's the first biblical principle. Now look at the text. Let's look here. It says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. Now this word sanctified here is actually quite interesting. It's the same word that's used in the Septuagint in Genesis 2 verse 3 when it references the Sabbath. It says, and God blessed the Sabbath day and then he did what to it? He sanctified it. It's the same word that's used in the book of Exodus when it talks about the sanctuary. It says that the sanctuary was sanctified. So what does it mean? Means that it was set apart. So sanctify means to set apart, to make holy. All right. So what does this have to do with dating and relationships then? It's really simple. Because our very first principle for a little biblical framework for dating and relationships is this, that the person you're dating should draw you closer to God. It says it's God's will. It's really simple. Okay, so if that's the case, if it's God's will that we should be drawing closer to Jesus Christ, right, and becoming more like him, then here's a really simple filter that I'm going to offer you this morning. So if you ask me, Rodley, um, I'm considering dating this person or I'm talking to this person, here's the filter that you should try to apply in your life. It's really simple. Does this person draw you to Jesus or do they distract you from Jesus? Did you catch that? Do they draw you to Jesus? In other words, do they encourage you to go to church? Do they encourage you in your devotional walk? Do they encourage you spiritually? Are they spending time with Jesus? If you come up to me and say, Rodley, you know, they, they encourage me and you know, I'm, I'm coming to church with them and all these good things are happening, I would say, God bless you. That's probably the kind of person that you need to get to know a little bit better. But on the other hand, if you say, well, actually they kind of distract me from Jesus a little bit. They don't really believe in God or you know, they don't really go to church or they don't, I know they're not spending any time with Jesus in the mornings. I know they don't have any kind of devotional experience in their life. If you come up to me with that one, I'm going to say that's probably someone. No, I'm not I'm not going to say probably. I'm going to say that is someone that you should not be in a dating relationship with. Period. And what if you say, I mean, because some of you say, well, you know, but I'm, I'm going to pray about it, and I'm going to fast, right, for good measure, and, you know, I'm just really going to seek God's will on this one. How about that, Riley? I'm going to say, don't waste your time. You don't need to pray about it. You don't need to fast. You need to let go of that person. Why? How can I speak so authoritatively and so boldly? Why? Because the Bible tells us what God's will is here in the Scripture. Are you with me? It says it is God's will that you should be sanctified, i.e., that you should become more like Jesus. So if this person that you're trying to get connected to is not helping you to become more like Jesus, then it's not part of God's will. What do you say, church? You don't have to overthink it. The Bible already tells it really clearly. It says it is God's will. All right. Now, here's five dangerous words that oftentimes we say, and I just want to share it with you. Are you ready? Maybe you've said this before, but I can change him, but I can change her. People are missionary projects, and we think, if only they hang around me long enough, my glory and my goodwill and my spirituality will ooze over them. Now, let me be really honest with you. In my years of pastoral ministry, here's what I've seen, all right? Here's how it normally works. If a spiritually minded person begins to date a person that is not spiritually minded, guess in which direction things are going to go. They're going to go in the other direction. Instead of you influencing them for good, you will slowly and inevitably begin detaching yourself from a relationship with Jesus. Go to church? Not today. Why don't we just hang back? Devotional time? I don't got time for that. I'm telling you, I've seen it time and time again. Have I seen the other happen? I've seen about one or two of those ever. All right? Where someone who is a church-going, a spiritually-minded person, they get together with an unbeliever, someone that could care less about church or anything like that, and through the years, right, God works on this person, and they end up being baptized, and they end up being a, a disciple of Jesus Christ. But that is, believe me, a rare exception. It does not normally happen like that. And if you try to count on that happening, I'm telling you right now, you're putting yourself on very dangerous ground. It almost never happens like that. So definitely don't count on it. You know, David Cook, in his book, The Sacred Search, he he puts across this really interesting thesis for what marriage is actually about. And simply said, here's, here's what he says. He says, what if marriage is designed to make you holy more than to make you happy. Because, you see, so often we think that it's all about us, and, hey, look, I just want to find that person that's really good-looking, and, you know, they look a certain way, and that would make me really happy. Oh, and if they have a good job, and if they have a house already, and if they own their own car, okay, the pluses as well. But his saying, in his thesis of this book, is that, wait a second, marriage, what if God designed marriage to make us holy? to have a life partner that's going to help us across cross the finish line of faith. And guess what I found? If you aim for the holy, you're going to get the happy. Matthew 6.33 says it really clearly, the words of Jesus. He says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and what? And all these things shall be added unto you. Seek after that partner that draws you closer to God, and guess what? You will receive happiness in turn as well. If you just search for that superficial happiness, guess what? You're going to lose the holiness and the connection with Jesus. So guys, I mean, this really isn't a, a thing that you want to be messing around with. The first principle, really simply, the person you're dating should be someone that's drawing you closer to Jesus Christ. You know, I have to admit also that I'm going to try not to embarrass my, my wife a that. that when I see her having devotions sitting in front of her open Bible for one I think it's kind of hot <laughs> but when I see her like that spending time with God men, you know what it does to me guys it's kind of like an ability check for me are you catching that? It's kind of like, whoa, hey, my, my woman's over there getting her time with God. I need to make sure to stay on my game with God as well. So it's really a beautiful thing to have a partner that is also supportive and we're heading in the same direction, trying to cross that finish line of faith. So it will bless you, believe me. All right, the second principle in our little framework for dating is this. Our relationships need to have Boundaries. They need to have boundaries. Okay, verse 4. Notice what it says here. It says that each of you should know how to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. And I think it's really interesting how in the King James Version, for example, or even the New King James Version, it uses a different word there. It says that each one should be able to control, possess his own Vessel. Now, why in the world would it use this word vessel for body? Well, think about what a vessel actually does. Think about the purpose of a vessel. The purpose of a vessel is to hold some things inside and to keep some things out. And here the Bible is saying that our bodies, we need to create boundaries for our bodies, as it were. If it's God's will, and it is, that we should become more like Jesus, we simply need to set up an infrastructure, we need to create up boundaries in order to help that actually happen. So you set up a little, some boundaries in your life. Now, we have a special guest today. I want to invite up Dr. Randall. Associate Professor of Chemistry here at the university, and he's going to help us to get a little illustration, a little an idea of what happens when we actually do not have boundaries in our own life. So, Dr.
1: Randall, thank you for being here. Take it away. Well, thank you for inviting me. So, it's always uh, exciting to show how some chemistry can illustrate some of the principles that we're we're learning about here. So. Uh, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to make some bubbles. Um, and uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to start out by adding some hydrogen peroxide into a vessel here. So basically I added hydrogen peroxide and this is the same stuff that sometimes we put on cuts to help uh, uh, kill the bacteria or so-called germs. Um, And it's actually the stuff sometimes people use to uh, bleach their hair as well. And so it's uh, relatively, it's something that's common in our uh, lives. And um, what I have here in this vessel is a little more concentrated than uh, what we normally use, but it's perfectly, it's normal stuff. And I'm going to add to it uh, some potassium iodide. And potassium iodide is just a... uh, It's a salt, like sodium chloride, that is our table salt, and sometimes that uh, gets used. It's actually, I think, how they iodize salt, so the salt that you buy in the store in those little round things, it's uh, iodized, and they put in uh, iodide ion. I'm going to add this to our vessel here, and we're going to see what happens, Try to contain it here. So what this is illustrating is, is that, um, and what it's what these bubbles are, it's just oxygen like we breathe. And so what this is illustrating is is that when we mix things together, it's definitely possible to uh, go uh, outside of boundaries. We also almost went outside of our extended boundaries. So it's a short illustration of of exceeding boundaries. Because the truth is, guys, that when we
0: don't have boundaries in our life, things can definitely get out of hand, things can get explosive, and they can definitely get a little bit messy, can't they? All right, I want to share with you a framework that Mindy Meyer in her book Sex and Dating talks about for the kinds of boundaries that Christians should have in their life, okay? I think some of these are going to just seem really common sense, but I'm going to share them with you anyhow. Here's the first one. Don't sleep overnight in the same bed. (laughs) That one just really makes sense, doesn't it? Don't do it. Keep clothing on, number two. This is from her book. She thought that this really needed to be mentioned. Now this one I think is quite practical, and I think it just it makes sense. Alright. It says number three, don't touch body parts that are covered by two piece swimsuit for women or swim trunks for men. And I should probably just add a one piece swimsuit, probably. And a- amen. <laughs> Does that kind of make sense? Right? In other words, she's saying anything for the ladies that is covered by a swimsuit, guys, you don't need to be touching that. All right. And ladies, anything that's covered by some swing tru- swim trunks for the guys, ladies, you don't need to be touching that. Anything underneath the swimsuits, the, si- the swim trunks. Makes sense, right? I see heads nodding. All right, this one, I think it goes without saying, but I'll just, I'll just say it again. Number four, don't lie on top of one another. Don't lie on top of one another. And this is, of course, talking about with clothes on, but it's staying still, you don't need to be trying to simulate anything, right? All right. Now, I'm going to share with you a particular scripture here, and we have to make a little covenant. We have to make a little agreement, you, church, and I, okay? You have to covenant and promise to me that you will not see me as a 400-year-old Puritan preacher <laughs> when I share this next principle. You covenant into that? I'm going to share it with you anyhow. It's coming. All right. Let me share with you this particular scripture, and then you can, you can laugh a little bit more. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. You can turn there. It says, Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute what? With absolute Purity. Now, what is the common concept of dating nowadays? It's really quite simple. It's that it's kind of like we're married, right? So it's not just about holding hands, but I can also basically explore, I'm yours and you are mine, and it's so exciting, yay, we're dating, which means, you know, we can kind of practice being a husband and wife. Right, And sometimes, sometimes we say, well, there's, there's kind of this one line that we shouldn't cross. Let's leave that thing alone. But uh, everything else is good to go, right? But notice what it says here in the Scripture. It says that, by the way, the Bible doesn't recognize this concept. God doesn't recognize this concept of dating. It's a foreign concept in the Bible, right? It's this relatively new invention, actually, all right? In God's eyes, you're either single until you are married. Even if you're engaged, guess what? You're still single. You're not married yet. When you're married, hey, God gives you some freedom. Amen? Until that point, you don't have that freedom. But here's what we do we say everything but is good to go. Now, how many of you have brothers and sisters? I many of you have brothers and sisters? Okay, I have an older sister. I have two older brothers. And how do you react? Or let me talk to the guys for just a moment. How do you react around your sister? Right? Kind of imagining in your mind's eye. Ladies, if you have a brother, how do you react around your brother? It's kind of like one of those things where if, you know, if you have to hug them, it's kind of like, oh, okay, all right, <laughs> okay, you know, uh, right? You know, with, with a lot of deference, with a lot of respect in that sense as far as, you know, physical touch. Okay, fine, happy birthday, you know, um, kiss or whatever. Because the Bible says, I mean, it's just, it's, it's really interesting. The Bible's words, not mine. It's just, guys, the women, the sisters— Yeah, we need to treat them like sisters. In other words, there's certain boundaries that I don't cross with my sister. Ew, are you kidding me? (laughs) Ladies, single guys, you treat them as a brother. There's certain boundary lines that you don't cross with your brother. Are you with me? All right. So do you see me as a 400-year-old Puritan preacher? Am I okay still? All right. Okay, last principle here, number three. It says our relationships need to have a clearly defined purpose. A clearly defined purpose. Notice what it says here in verse six. It says, and that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. And in some translations, I I like the word that it uses there. It says that no one should defraud someone. Now, in what ways do we take advantage of a brother or sister? In what ways do we defraud or pull the wool over somebody's eyes in a relationship? Here it is. When we imply a commitment that we cannot keep. Let me say that again. We defraud our brothers and our sisters when when we imply through what we say or through what we do, when we apply a commitment that we simply cannot keep. For example... Sometimes when we flirt If you're married Men, you don't need to be flirting with any woman Ladies, if you're married You don't need to be flirting with any guy If you're single, you can flirt a little bit though No, but Not indiscriminately I say that kind of joking around But we need to be careful that even through our flirtations of getting to know someone a little bit better, that we're not implying a commitment that we cannot keep. So for example, some people like to flirt with everybody just because it makes us feel good and we like to see how people respond to us. And this is kind of fun and that's just kind of what we do. And guess what? You are implying a commitment that you cannot keep. You are leading someone on, and they are thinking something else about you, and meanwhile, you're just kind of having fun. I mean, it feels good to make girls think a certain way about you or to make guys think a certain way about you. And by the way, in, in case you're wondering about what the Bible says about those who do this, just read the rest of that verse in verse 7 as well. So sometimes we flirt without really wanting to pursue, we, we lead people on, and sometimes, frankly, we imply a commitment that we cannot keep when we, tr- when we begin dating Some sometimes, when we are not in a position to get married. Now, let me explain that. I believe that the terminal point of every dating relationship is marriage. Period. It's not complicated. Now sometimes I ask people or sometimes young adults or people will come up to me and they'll tell me about a person that they're dating and oftentimes I will ask them just about every single time. And if we've had conversations about this, I've probably asked you this question. I'll ask you, so can you imagine yourself marrying this person? What I like to hear is yes. Yes. So say, yeah, you know, I can imagine myself marrying this person. We seem to align as far as our spiritual values and our character and our goals in life and where we're heading. I mean, we, we really seem to be aligning. Then I say, hey, praise God, keep getting to know this person a little bit better. But sometimes I hear people say, well, no, really? No, that person, I could never imagine myself marrying that person. then what are you doing? If you cannot imagine yourself marrying this person, if you cannot see in the distance somewhere marriage, then you need to stop messing around because that's all you're doing. All you're doing is messing around. You're wasting their time and you're wasting your time. It's not a good thing, all right? Okay. Okay. Let me just mention one other thing. Sometimes think, and some people teach this, and if you teach this, God bless you, but I don't agree with it. Sometimes, here's what we say. It's good to date around a lot. Date around as much as you can before you get married. It's a good thing. Get to know, oh yeah, have lots of boyfriends, lots of girlfriends, not at the same time, of course, but it's good to date around a lot. And I would respond by saying that I think you can know someone well just by being friends with them. You do not need to be in a dating relationship to see what you do not want. I remember when I was at Southern undergrad, I was friends with lots of girls and I would kind of do this thing and you've kind of done this thing as well right where you know you're getting to know them better and maybe you've known them for a little bit of time and all of a sudden you're saying oh that person nope (laughs) and you begin to cross them off of your list why because you begin to see that you are just not aligned as far as your spiritual values your goals in life what you want to do you're just you're just different people you're headed in different directions and that's okay that person is not for you so check them off your list. I remember my junior year in high school, I was living in Singapore at the time, and there was, you know, this pretty young thing that, uh, this, this pretty young lady that I became attracted to, and I began dating her. And I say it in air quotes, but because it was the kind of thing where nobody really knew, Right, my parents didn't know, and my friends just vaguely knew that I was hanging out with this young lady, and it was just like this silly little three-week-long thing. So I really hesitate to call it anything, but I remember towards the end of the three weeks, as we were kind of dating or whatever you want to call it, all of a sudden I began to think in my mind, I began to think, you know what? Here we are, juniors in high school. We're going to end up going to different colleges. She wasn't even a believer in Jesus Christ so we didn't even have that thing we didn't even have that in common I said you know we're just headed in completely different directions I need to break off and so I swallowed the bitter pill I dumped her and for the rest of the school year all the ladies in the school hated me it is what it is but why did I do that? because I realized I was implying a commitment that I simply could not continue to keep. We were going to go in different directions, and I knew that I was never going to see her after high school. We weren't of the same faith. We didn't have spiritual values together. So there I was at Southern. I had this in my mind. I told myself, you know what? I need to try to pay attention to this principle here. And I remember in due time, I met my, we became friends, Yvette and I. We began hanging out, and I feel really lucky, to be honest, because we just kind of fell into the same circle of friends. It made it really easy. I got to know you, Yvette, in a really platonic way. And I remember somewhere along the line here... Don't look at her, please. Somewhere along the line, I began to tell myself... I was just like, wait a second, wait a second. This girl... She's very cool. And I just realized, I said, you know what? I was looking at my little list that I had. Man, we've just got these different things in common and just similar goals and all kinds of... I said, I got to go after this one, for real. And so, of course, I had been hanging out with her and I would flirt with her, ladies, but I wouldn't flirt with any other ladies, all right? I would just flirt with her. And so one day, this may sound kind of dorky, but this is what I did. I said, you know what, I need to tell her how I actually feel about her. And I need to write it down in a letter, and I need to read it to her. Because even though, you know, sometimes I can seem outgoing, but when it came to those kind of things, I was actually pretty shy. Pretty nerve nerve wracking for me, and so I wrote it down. And I invited her to go to a park there at Southern. And I said, "Hey, I, I have to read you this this thing." And she's like, "Okay." And I read her this thing, where I basically told her what I felt about her and what I admired about her. And even within that same letter, can you believe it? I even told her, "I said, look, and I think that if God blesses and if this thing works out, this could even be something that could lead to marriage." Some people actually do that. Can you believe it? I did that. I didn't know what would happen. I was scared, believe you me. I was scared, and I said, let me just be upfront with this girl and kind of what's on my brain, and I read it to her, and I'm just watching her eyes, and I see her saying, okay. And praise God, in about two weeks, it's going to be 12 years of marriage. You see, there's something about this principle when we begin to follow God's plan for developing a a framework for how we should approach these dating relationships, when we begin to have a sense of saying, you know what, maybe I should have some boundaries in my relationship, maybe God can actually work through that in a powerful way. I want to invite you to turn to pull out your Connect card right now. And if you're a guest with us here for the first time today, we are really glad to have you. Every single week here at Pioneer, we we encourage everyone to take some kind of next step in their walk with God. So if this is your first time here, we'd love to get to know you just a little bit better. Feel free to put your name and your email address on there. But then turn to the back of the card. And there's a couple of next steps that I want to encourage you to think about for just a moment. The first one is this I want to be completely pure in my dating relationships. Because maybe there's some, some of you here this morning, maybe you're involved in a dating relationship, and maybe you're not proud of some boundaries that you may have crossed. But maybe today the Holy Spirit is convicting you through God's word that, wait a second, you know what? We actually need to set up an infrastructure for holiness in our life. We need to set up some boundaries in our life so that I can be drawn to Jesus and not distracted from him. So maybe if that's you today, if you want to say, God, I, I want to make a commitment to be pure in my dating relationship, just, just check that off, and we'll be praying for you. Two, maybe you want to say, I want prayer for wisdom and finding a godly life partner. And believe you me, it takes supernatural wisdom. But if you want, to be, if you want people to be praying for you for that, just check that off. We're going to be praying for you. And finally, maybe some of you here today are saying, you know, I don't even need to be messing in any kind of dating relationship right now. I need to be working on this relationship right now, my relationship with God, which is the most important relationship. If that's you, I want to make a challenge to you today. You can chuff, I want to commit to daily devotions for 30 days. Yes, even on Sabbath morning. Yes, even on Sunday morning, not just during the work week. But I want to commit of 30 day devotional plan if that's you we will send you a link where you can sign up for a 30 day devotional plan we're going to send you some different options it'll get you'll be able to see it every week there's a brand new one by Oswald Chambers there's some different ones um, that we'll send you but if that's you you want to get registered on a plan just check that off whatever next step that God is calling you to make today just want to encourage you just take a moment between you and God Maybe you've never been baptized before. You need to be baptized. Maybe you need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Whatever it is, make that decision. And we're going to pray here in just a moment, and the ushers are going to come forward in just a moment. And as that plate goes around, that's also the place where you can put your completed response card, your completed connect card. So for now, let's just have a word of prayer as God guides us through these decisions. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for every single person that's here today. I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you that you reveal to us that your will for us is to be more like Jesus Christ, is to be holy like him. And so, Father, we know that we cannot do that on our own. We need your spirit. We need your infilling. We need your blessing to make that happen. So, Father, all of us as one body, corporately, whether single, married, whatever, Lord, we want to reach out and all of us want to say, Lord we want to be more like Jesus Christ. We want to be more holy. And so Father, I just ask you to bless now all those people that have made different responses here using this connect card. Give them the boldness now to follow through with that commitment that they've made. Bless them, we ask in Jesus name. Amen.